Hi everyone, I'm so excited about this episode. Before I get into it, I want to give you a heads up. We're wrapping up our series of live episodes from Inbound. If you haven't listened to last week, where I chat with the creators of Making a Murderer, I definitely encourage you to go back and check it out. This week we're speaking with Doug Landis, the chief storyteller at Box, a file sharing service for businesses and individuals. Let's get into it. I'm Kit Bodner, and this is The Grow Show. Doug, we're getting, out, getting ready to close Wednesday out at Inbound. So you've done a lot of sales, so we're going to talk about sales, but now, now your job is chief storyteller at Box. That sounds like a fake job. Also known as the chief bullshit artist. Yeah. So, so like, what is that job, actually, first? So we can just sev- like establish a baseline for, the, for, yeah, for this yeah, conversation. Yeah. So let me give you a little context of where it came from. So yeah. before I got into this function, before I moved over into marketing for 25 years or whatever, I've been in, under the sales umbrella. So being in marketing is very, very different for all of you marketers. I, I applaud you. <laughs> I don't realize why you have so many off-sites, but I'm starting to get a, a better picture of that. Um, so the idea really came from uh, last year at our, our worldwide kickoff, one of the things that I realized is we needed to do a better job of infusing the voice of our customer into everything that we do and how we talk about ourselves. Mm-hmm. We had a tendency, we, we have a tendency of talking more from our own point of view mm-hmm. and using our own kind of our own insights to educate our customers. Well, you know what? The only person that actually has that level of credibility is Aaron Levy because he built the company and he built the industry. One of the things I noticed is it was really, really hard for us to actually articulate the voice of our customer. So at Sales Kickoff, I, I said, look, this has to be the year of our customer. So every session that we deliver has to start off with a point of view from our customer, right? So if we're launching a new product, if we're talking about sales process, like sure. where does the customer fit into this? And one of the things that, that made me realize is like we're pretty egocentric as a company and we need to shift the way we talk to and about our customers. That's where it came from. Okay, so now how do you actually do that? <laughs> it's a good question. I think, um, I think part of my role is to influence. So because I come from the sales side of the business, I've also been at Box for four and a half years. I influence a lot uh, on the marketing side, right? Whether that's content for content marketing, whether that's content for campaigns, whether that's our website. I look at everything through the lens of our customers. I also spend a lot of time kind of digging into our customers, right? So spend a lot of time with our customer success organization to really understand the meat of what transformation to them means. Mm-hmm. And then how do we take that and elevate that back into our marketing materials and back into our sales materials? It's, it's amazing how powerful or how much insight your customer success organization has about your customers and how often that just sits in a little island on its own. Yeah, so how do you get it back out? You know, um, I think that's the classic problems. Anybody right. listening to this show, that's one of their, their core challenges, right? right? right. Is they've got somebody helping their customer. How do you, how do you get that so, knowledge to the rest of the org? So interview everybody in customer success. Look for those insights. Try and understand, well, what is it that our customers, so what's an impl- implementation like? And why, why did it go well? Why is it not going well? Who is a champion? Who's a real advocate for the product mm-hmm. and why? And then after you do those interviews, pull those up into what I call kind of like aha moments, right? Those aha moments of why one company decided to become a huge advocate or why they decided to grow their footprint with us Mm -hmm. and expand their usage of our products. Um, Those little insights, those little aha moments, if we can elevate those, and you can even just put them into a PDF 
and then give them to the sales organization and say, hey, if you're talking to somebody in this industry or this role, here's some, here's some, here's some language that you can use that can help connect them to another customer and therefore it's less about you as a salesperson. So that's kind of the idea of the chief storyteller, I guess, if you will. <laughs> okay. Well, now that we've established what you actually do, which is good. Yeah. First job one. You mentioned 25 years in sales. Yeah. You've worked at some world-class sales organizations. Uh, before Box, you were at Salesforce, a company you know, I think many people look up to, especially for their, their sales process, their sales talent. What do most companies mess up when it comes to sales? Hmm. <laughs> well... I mean, you could you go down the list. Right? Well, right, there's all the like, stages of the funnel. What's like, the biggest problem? No, no, I'm not, not even. Yeah. I'm not even at the stages okay. of the funnel. I'm just like hiring, like yeah. first and foremost, hiring the right people, the people that fit your organization, leadership, right? Because change doesn't happen within an organization, or process doesn't happen sure. within an organization without the right leadership. I also would say, really, truly understanding your customer. Mm -hmm. So it's difficult to sell when you are just focused on the number. I like to kind of keep things really simple and really raw. Um, I think selling, the core of selling is, is just, you're having a series of conversations, mm -hmm. right? You and I are having a conversation to determine if it makes sense for us to have another conversation. And maybe it's not with you, maybe it's with someone else. Sure. But all along the way, it's just a series of conversations. The question is, how do you infuse stories into those conversations? Because as we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. they're way more compelling, mm -hmm. right? Way more engaging. And we have a tendency of speaking, speaking in the language of, of facts and figures, right? Yeah. And I think the, all those things affect an organization's ability to actually sell. Give us an example of a good story in a sales process. Like, what does that actually look like? I think part, first and foremost, you, under, you have to understand who it is that you're talking to and who you're meeting with. And ultimately, what's the point of sure. that conversation, right? And then you can back into your stories. I think stories can be useful in, in many ways. They can be used to kind of create value, right? So really kind of articulate who you are and what you stand for. Take Nordstrom's, for example. The story about Nordstrom's back in the 70s up in Alaska, somebody brought in a set of tires because actually it was a department store. It used to be a shoe store, then it was a department store. But before that, it was actually a tire store. So the guy brought in a set of tires and said, I want to return the tires. And, and the sales associate, knowing their policy and knowing their, their desire to drive customer support in the organization, took them back. And word spread because the, the founder of Nordstrom happened to actually be in the store and heard about it and said, wow, that's, that's amazing. And guess what? That story became kind of their signature story. That, that story helped them to create value of who they are and what, what they stand for. We all have our stories, right? So I always think of it like if you're meeting with a customer in a sales process, regardless of where you are in the funnel, you need to have your own personal story. Like who are you and why do you work at the company you work for? Um, you need to have a customer story that is relevant to the customer or the person you're speaking to. And then you need to have your company story. Like, why does your company exist? What's the purpose of your company? And then you need, just need to get smart about when and how you use those throughout the process. And how do you read the situation and you know when you use a certain story or not? I think the first question you should ask yourself is when you feel compelled to actually use facts or data about your product or about your company or about you, stop step back and think, well, how could I actually get to my endpoint in a different way? Because the truth is, is order matters. Stories or your point of view are much more compelling and engaging, and the data is there to support you. The facts and the figures are there to actually give you more credence to your story, to back you up. But we all know when we lead with data, when we lead with facts and figures, 
about, you know, well, you know, our product, it, let me just go down the list of our security compliance you know, <laughs> certifications. Like, oh yeah, we're HIPAA, you know, we're HIPAA compliant. Yeah. yeah, like, oh great, cool. What does that mean? And oh, by the way, can all of our competitors do the same thing? Can they go down the list? Of course they can, right? Then they, of course they, they gotta back it up. But what's more interesting, what's more engaging is if I actually share that in a way that, that is more relevant. Like for example, you know, MD Anderson, a company that they had an employee who accidentally emailed a list of patients. Accidentally, oops, cost them $4 million. That was a massive HIPAA violation. Yeah. That's expensive. How do you ensure that doesn't happen again? How do you ensure that doesn't happen if you're a healthcare company or a financial services company? By the way, I'm now talking to the different certifications that we actually have, sure, but I'm sure. doing it away with giving examples. Yeah, so just think, if where, where there's an opportunity to use facts and figures and data, stop for a second and rewind and think about what's another way in which I can, I can share that. So we've, we started this conversation at the very beginning saying like, you're, you're marketing now, you spent your, spent your time in sales. <laughs> I wanna talk it's about crazy. The, the intersection, the relationship between those uh, often loved, often admired, often frustrated groups of people with each other. Yeah, so, a cantankerous relationship. Yeah, so describe to me, now that you're on the other side, you've seen both sides, why is it normally, why is that relationship normally cantankerous? Like, let's describe the problem first. Well, I think, speaking from my own experience, when yeah. I came over to marketing, for, I mean, literally for probably the first three or four months, I just sat there with just my head in the clouds. I was like, what does everybody do here? <laughs> like, Why aren't you what, on the phone? What do you guys all do? <laughs> and I think, you know, sales is way, it's much more black and white, right? You've got a number to hit. And it's like, okay, we can back up and go, okay, you're doing the right number of activities to get to the number. It's like way more black and white. I can determine if I'm gonna put you on a plan or not. In marketing, how do you know? Right, it's like, oh, you're working on, the con on content marketing strategy or on events or running events, and it's like, okay, cool. Um, how do I know if you're any good, right? So I literally spent three or four months just trying to figure out what everybody does. And I think that's actually one of the issues. Sales feels like there's so much money spent on the marketing side of the house, and there's so many people over there, and there's so many offsites. <laughs> you really hung up on the offsite thing. It's amazing. And it's only because I've it's only because I've sat in on like ten offsites in the last six months. It's like, what wow, marketing team is, are you a part of? <laughs> There's a lot of decisions to make. Yeah, mine gets to have like right? one a year. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I don't know. What's These are many offsites, like half days. I know, but right? still, you know, a couple geez. hours. We call them offsites. Everything's an yeah. offsite. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of questions. So there's a lot of unknowns. So this, on the sales side, they're like, well, wait a minute, what are you guys doing? And the other thing is, it's really hard to measure everything that the marketing side of the house does. A lot of it's influence. And sales being more black and white, it's like, okay, what have you done for me lately? Where are all my leads? <laughs> and then there's, there's issues around, well, like who gets credit for the lead, right? There's all this, this idea of like, you know, last touch, uh, the, you know, the, the all the last different touch. attribution models. Yeah, attribution touch, models. Last, yeah, touch, totally. Multi -touch or is it multi-touch attribution? attribution. I mean, the reality that, is, sure. is uh, when a lead actually becomes a prospect and they, you know, become a customer. They've, they've been touched by probably 20 people in the organization, sure. right? So why is it that everyone has to try and get credit? Oh, I, I need to make sure I get credit for it. Maybe it's because our whole incentive model in terms of how we run our companies is a little screwed up, right? Because it's like, Seems oh, like a I've valid gotta, point to me. What? <laughs> it's like, you know, like, oh, well, you know, I, I get credit for that. Therefore, I can, you know, match this back to my, my MBO so I can get my bonus or whatever it is, right? Bonus, be more successful, right. get promoted, whatever, totally, whatever, whatever that, it is. that's run, right? Yeah, so I think part of it's visibility, understanding, um, and then some level of metrics. It's also transparency. For some reason, it feels like when I was on the sales side of the house, again, marketing was doing all this and we had no idea why mm -hmm. or for what reason. 
and there was a, la a lack of communication as to, hey, here's our plan, and oh, wait, and sales is like, well, wait a minute, here's our plan, how, why are we doing the same thing, right? Or how come we're not running a field, field event in, you know, in York? We really need to, and we've got you know, some great customers lined up, and the marketing's like, well, we don't have the budget. <laughs> so what does sales do? They run their field event. They could do it on their own, yeah. <laughs> right? And then guess what? And then the word gets out to the guys in Chicago, and they're like, oh, we'll just, we'll just do our own. <laughs> and now the, you know, the person who runs field marketing is like, what the hell? What's going on? Uh, yes. Yeah. That is, <laughs> a, a very, a very accurate description of what, what can transpire there, for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now that you're on the marketing side, though, what's the other side of that coin? It's always, you know, marketing's tossing leads over to sales, and sales are like, oh, these are no good. And marketing's like, well, wait a minute, you're not even calling them. What do you mean? <laughs> totally. like, like this huge list of, of contacts and leads that we just served you, and you're not even calling. And, or, or you're just, you know, you're closing them all out after one call. It's like, well, how do I even know you're qualifying them right? How do we even know, you know, you're having the right level of conversation? So it all boils down to a communication, mm -hmm. right? And making sure that sales and marketing are aligned to the same goal. I mean, really, truthfully, it, it's, it's about company goal, Right, and how does that company goal then trickle down to the head of sales and the head of marketing, and then how do how are sales and marketing aligning themselves because they're both part of the growth engine without yeah. question. And once everyone agrees to that, we're like, okay, cool, we're we're in the same boat, trying to go in the same direction. Then let's let's align our organizations so that everyone has that visibility. And truthfully, there are expectations on the sales side, just like there like there are expectations on the marketing side. But that has to be clearly communicated. You know, now that I'm sitting over in marketing, and you know, I kind of I feel I feel a little disconnected from you know kind of the sales machine, and I think it's also a part of marketing putting in the effort to actually spend time with sales. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to market when you haven't when you don't understand the, what the sales experience is like, right? If you don't know what, understand totally. what it's like to talk to a customer, if you don't understand what your BDRs are doing, or you don't understand what you know what could go wrong in a large strategic deal that's taken 11 months. You know, and, and marketing's like, why the hell isn't this thing closing? <laughs> Sales like, you kidding me? I still got five months left, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, it's, right. It's got the, I five more conversations to have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, for sure. The other thing I want to talk about around sales and marketing is what I call the time horizon conflict, which is sales is like, I need this thing to work right now. Mm -hmm. And marketing's like, oh, well, I need to do something right now that's going to work for you right now, like six months from, from Absolutely. now. Right? And so how do you balance that? How do you, how do you think about communicating that? It goes back to your point of alignment, I think, to some degree. But like, how, does, how does that work out? Yeah, I think what's interesting is we just, we just went through this experience where it's like, okay, I think in large part what sales doesn't understand is what marketing's working on today is to help drive pipeline in six months. Yeah. Right? But sales like, okay, well, what am I doing? What are you doing for me right now? And unfortunately, there just has to be like, look, we're just gonna own this. We're not doing anything for you right now. <laughs> or, or what we are gonna do, we're gonna do, we're gonna do really targeted things that we think that sure. can help you close business, right? Because guess what? In this month, right now, or maybe in this quarter, it, it, there's, there's very little that we can do. So we wanna make sure we double down on the things that we know will have meaningful impact in a short period. So as an organization, you have to get really clear about what are those things, right? For us, field marketing events, mm -hmm. awesome. Get a bunch of CIOs together with Aaron, our, CE, our CEO, and it's like that moves the needle really quickly. Oh, that's got to right? for you guys, yeah. Really quickly. But going out and creating a whole new campaign to run, guess what? Creating a whole new campaign, the output of that is going to be six months, you know, maybe two, three quarters down, down the road. And part of that is just also educating the sales organization, like, hey, this is what we're doing for you right now, mm -hmm. and this is all we can give you. 
course, if we had more money, we could give you more. Sure. Um, and here's what we're doing for you six months, nine months, 12 months down the road. And so a big part of it's just, again, that whole transparency. But also having you know, leaders, we just hired a new CMO who's amazing, and, and she's forcing us to think that way. What are we doing right now? And what, what's the meaningful impact? And where's the data that's going to back that up? And then what are we doing to drive pipeline three, six, nine months down the road? Man, it's a hard balance to strike. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't have you or her. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, uh, you, you get it right sometimes, you get it wrong sometimes. Yeah. So what have you learned about telling stories now that you've been a little less focused on the day-to-day -day grind of sales leadership and more on telling awesome stories? Like, what have you learned? Yeah. Um, Storytellers are made, not born. Why? Well, look, I mean, we're all hardwired. We, we think in stories. There's this whole notion called the, your weekend self. Just think about it. When you leave work today, if you're not with your colleagues or customers, what do we do? We speak in stories, right? We're like, oh, wait, you know, today at the conference, here's what happened, right? Like, oh, I, you know, on the elevator, here's what happens. We talk in stories. And then all of a sudden, we get to work, and what happens? We put on our work hat, and we speak in, like, truncated sentences and bullets and acronyms and, and words nobody acronyms. understands right yeah, right and so the reason why i say they're made and not necessarily born is because you have to be more conscious of actually telling a story um, you have to recognize that you know what the the important tools to help you tell stories and i'll tell you three of them one of them is contrast right so part of taking whoever it is that you're talking to on a journey is creating um, helping helping you to understand what is to what could be Right, it's yeah. that it's the contrast, and that creates that gap. Actually, creates energy, analogies, metaphors, hugely powerful, right? Because <laughs> it actually analogies, metaphor can metaphors can help make complex things really simple, because they're things that we can understand, yeah. right? Especially in the world of technology, we're like talking bits and bytes and <laughs> shit, zeros so and your, ones, all of your you know all of your acronyms, APIs right? Oh my gosh. And, and it's like, what does that mean to me? Yeah. And so using analogies and metaphors or being more conscious of using analogies and metaphors can make you a better storyteller. And also recognizing that stories don't have to be long. Back in the 20s, Ernest Hemingway, who's bet $10. And the bet was to see whether or not he could write a novel in six words or less. <laughs> and he did it. Do you know what he wrote? For sale, baby shoes, never worn. Interesting thing about stories is stories don't always have to tell the answer. Mm -hmm. Stories can be used to help your audience infer the answer, right? The moment I started telling you the six words, you started to create your own narrative in your head, right? So Absolutely. instead of telling you two plus two happens before, I just, I give you, give you the construct and a character and some drama there and let you go with it. Fascinating. <laughs> what I want to end on with, with you today is what do you think the best medium is to tell stories today? Well, audio and video. I mean, that's I, where you're at. Yeah, whereas we have podcasts, right? Podcasts yeah. are great. Three, four minutes. Tell me a story. Um, Criminal. If you guys all heard the yeah. series Criminal, right? And all those podcasts that people just get sucked into because we have to yeah. commute in, and it's like, you know what? I don't want to just drive. I actually want. <laughs> I want. I want to experience. I want an experience on my drive. I think podcasts are an incredibly powerful medium because um, they're super accessible. I think video is becoming way more accessible and, and normalized. Yeah. I think the written, written stories are great, although there's too much of it. And, a lot and, of written content. And actually being concise and, again, kind of thinking that your story doesn't have to be 
four pages long. I just don't have time to read that much, right? Give me the cliff notes, but, but make it interesting and don't just give me the data and facts. Awesome. But yeah, I love audio. Audio is a lot of fun. Yeah. We enjoy it. Thanks everybody for coming out and listening to us today. Awesome. Thanks, Thank you. Appreciate it. Hi, thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you love The Grow Show and you like what you heard today, please leave us a review in iTunes. It helps us share The Grow Show with the world.